Welcome to the Chasing Squirrels Lab. In the lab, we talk with educators and innovators and creators and makers that are using cool tools to sometimes recreate the classroom experience, inspire their students, and definitely inspire themselves. I'm pretty stoked because this weekend I'll be attending my first ed camp. Now, I've been to quite a few ed tech camps, but I've never been to an ed camp. So as I understand it, an ed camp is a unconference where the topics that are covered are decided once the attendees get there and then individuals can cluster and discuss and hash out their ideas in different spaces at whatever convention center this is being held at. And the upswing to this is that you can participate a little or you can participate a lot. And the topics are as varied as the number of attendees. And tonight's episode dovetails nicely into this because tonight's episode, I get to talk to not only one of the individuals that will be attending this this ed camp, but also it reinforces... Tonight's episode reinforces the idea that it's really, really important to get outside our silos. It's really, really important to get outside our school boards. And it's really, really important to meet people that, despite the fact that we are all educators in the grouping, that we're all doing really different things. And we may be using the same tools, but slightly to different ends. I hope you enjoy this episode. It was pretty awesome to be able to reach out outside my school board and have this conversation. All right, and welcome to episode five of Chasing Squirrels Lab. So in the lab, what we try to look at are the tools or the apps or the strategies or just the approaches to education that help us feel us educators, feel innovative and creative in our daily work. And often that's so necessary when we're trying to get across some of the cool things that can happen in education with our students. So this evening I have Tina Zita. Tina, how are you? Not too bad. And you? I am well, thank you. Would you be able to throw down a bit of a, an introduction? Sure. So, uh, I'm an instructional technology resource teacher with the Peel District School Board, which pretty pretty much means I have the coolest job out there. I get to play with tech and innovative ideas uh, every day with kids and teachers from kindergarten to grade 12. And Coca-Cola kind of drives my energy kicks each day. Yeah, Yeah. I have to say that's actually the first time anyone's done the shout out to Coca-Cola. Most times it's like (laughs) fueled by Starbucks or fueled by Tim Hortons or something. Yeah, but no, straight Coca-Cola. <laughs> straight, no awesome. diet, no zero, no, uh, none of that life stuff. That, you know, I, oh, I've tried the life stuff. <laughs> I just can't do it. No, I will say, I will say it's, it's cool. Um, we chatted just a little bit about this in the, just before we hit record the, where I am right now is I'm up in York region district school board. You're out in Peel. And I, I really do. I really do appreciate the fact that, by me getting outside of my silo, your angle on the tools that you use, I, I know already it's, it's completely different than what I'm being exposed to up in York region. And we have in, in our region, they're called DLRT, so Digital Learning Resource Teachers, mm-hmm. which I think falls kind of close yeah. to, to your positioning. Um, and they as well, they work K to 12. 
And I have the, the couple different things that when we were talking about that you were suggesting that you were going to, um, you, you may talk about, I had never heard of them before. So this is kind of cool. I think this is entirely the the value of getting outside of your learning network and seeing what, because it's, you're, you're kind of next door. Yeah, like, not really, that far away. It's not. And when we talk about in, in school boards, when we talk about school boards and the amount of footprint that they take up, you know, in a province, you really are next door. You're, you're sort of kind of the next one to the west of us ish. And I think demographics wise, Peel and York have a lot of commonalities, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. So even more so reinforce that despite the fact that there's commonalities, how the approaches can be so entirely different mm-hmm. sometimes. Definitely. And and I love that. I really do love that because there's a whole bunch of people that I can meet on a daily basis and the common tongue is always great to be speaking. But when somebody can shake up that thinking a little bit, you gain, right? That's it. So what is it that you'd like to talk about this evening? What's the uh, the tool or app or the, the thing that's kind of making you feel creative or innovated? In- innovative. Uh, And as we were chatting, it's always hard to pick just one because there's too many out there. Uh, But I think one of the apps that has really changed um, my experience this year, just with students and with some of the groups that I'm working with, is a free app called TinyTap. It's available on both Android and Apple. Uh, So we love apps that cross those platforms for us. Uh, and then students can also continue to explore the activities that they create um, just on a web-based platform, which makes that access just that much greater. It's it's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out on the front end here. Um, well, actually, no, I'll, I'll, let, let's, I'll let you go there first. So what is it, what is it about this app that's, that's kind of caught your fascination right now? Um, can I give a bit of the backstory now? Is that okay? Definitely. Okay. So when I first uh, saw TinyTap, the icon for the app was a little more juvenile. It was a little teddy bear. Uh, And so I tried the app out. I opened it up. It had a lot of pre-made content uh, included, so a lot of alphabet games. It just didn't seem that cool. And I guess it was two years ago now. I was in Miami with some educators. ironically trying to communicate uh, through gestures and uh, the few Portuguese words I understood as mm-hmm. they were sharing, uh, this colleague was sharing how she was using the tool in her um, learning community. So she was teaching uh, just outside of Sao Paulo and uh, she taught in a private system, but she was uh, facilitating the class for students that came from the favela, uh, grade one kindergarten class. And she was just sharing how her students were creating books and then uh, sharing those books back with parents. And they were actually learning to read from the books that the kids were writing. Uh, And that really made me realize I needed to take another look at the app. So we started exploring last year allows you to create your own interactive uh, storybooks, but there's also gaming elements. So Mm -hmm. we were playing a little bit uh, with literacy um, and math, and the kids seemed to really like it. And then this year we've been trying to um, explore the app with newcomers uh, to Canada and that uh, language development and trying to see how the middle school crowd likes the app. And so far... Uh, they love that gaming element that's included in it. So the first thing that just that sort of comes to mind, it's it in the same way that I'm saying 
you're part of the board that's just to the west of of me so i know that no matter no matter how big the experience bundle that i get in york region i'm going to look at i'm going to be shown something one board over that even if we're using it currently that it could mm -hmm. be used in an entirely different way and i love the fact that well you only had to travel a thousand miles or so <laughs> to get a new perspective. There's something almost poetic about that. Only had to travel three thousand miles to get a different perspective on a on a on an app. But I think that's so cool because yeah, <laughs> like that's that's kind of the head shaker about um, tools within education. And sometimes that's the same thing. It's the head shaker about experiences in education that someone can just move you move the dial slightly, and all of a sudden that thing, as you said, it you know it, it was. A little bit more um, childlike. It didn't seem like it had applications, but then all of a sudden, it's positioned, and you're like, "That's the spot. That's well, the spot." And Carla had kind of opened up to uh, opened my eyes to the fact that there was that open creation tool. To that point, mm -hmm. I had only really seen it as people using pre-made um, activities within the app, mm -hmm. uh, and then looking at what she was doing. Uh, and then hearing the impact that it was having on families and being able to take that out of the classroom back to the home uh, was just amazing. It was comical if anybody was watching in the room because it was this Portuguese-English mishmash uh, with a couple iPads in front of us trying to <laughs> decipher what we were each saying. Uh, but it's funny how that one moment just changed that outlook on the app and how to use it or maximize the potential of it. Mm hmm. So bringing it back into classrooms locally, then mm -hmm. have have you observed uh, teacher student or student student teacher teacher interacting with it? And, you know, if so, what does that what does that look like? So we've usually when I go in to support the teachers, we've done uh, a bit of work around just walking them through the app. There is a lot of opportunities in the app um, to create different types of activities. Uh, so that usually requires a little bit of a, a help to get over that hurdle. But what was most exciting was a few weeks ago, we were using it at one school that I support. Uh, and we just had a bunch of our ELL learners come down and we were exploring spring vocabulary, just seeing what they would do with it, how they liked it. Uh, and the teacher actually liked it so much that they took one of the students back to show a homeroom teacher. And then that homeroom teacher liked it so much that the student and the teacher that I worked with ended up teaching them how to use the app so they could do it with the whole class. So it was cool just to see that that excitement that comes with the app. Uh, and sometimes we undervalue that, right? That excitement really gets people to over that hurdle of trying something new, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. And what I like, what I the fuel that can come out of excitement, you know, you start with whatever the connection and the engagement. But I also like there's there's another layer to that excitement as well that getting getting the kids or the teachers to play with it sometimes the excitement is also the necessary currency for them to start mm -hmm. saying i wish it could do this yeah and and as soon as either the students or the teachers start to say that you realize that they have buy-in because mm -hmm. if they if they sort of say like they're looking to level it up they're like okay this is cool i think i've learned it can it do this and it yeah. becomes that cool element of self-direction. Like, I'm going to use this. Is it here in the menu? And you see them tracking on the, the user interface. And they're just kind of going for it. 
and I think sometimes really good um, design yep. means that it's the design is not bound by language. Um, what's the word? Uh, language. Fluency? You, yes. Um, it has to do with, like when you say the frameworks that language exists in. So, for example, sometimes um, if 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 the writing on the page is bound left to right, top to bottom, mm. that is that's a language. What am I learning? It's like the assumptions, that, the, the assumptions that are built into language. It's a C word. My brain is just not grabbing it. It's a C word. As it conventions. It's there language conventions for a North American or an English speaker. I think that, um, well, backtrack for one second. Before we hit the record, I was mentioning to you that I've been to a ton of ed tech camps. And mm -hmm. I think very few times has has that sort of premier presentation been about here's a really cool tool that is not bound by language convention that if I had someone speaking Mandarin, someone speaking Persian, someone speaking Italian, they will pick up the tablet and with a few small moves, they're going to start interacting with the actual uh, uh, tool. Yeah. And, and I think we're in a place now where that has to be a deep consideration that the tool itself is not bound to language conventions despite the fact you're going to build in your own content yeah i find with a lot of the apps nowadays they do do that um that dual representation if you will so when i look at something like tiny tap they once you push a plus sign you can create your own uh activities and your activities can have several pages mm -hmm. and then every page in your in your story or that project can have a different type of activity. So um, you can just read on top of it or you can turn it into a soundboard, which would be amazing if you're trying to create your own dual language book. So you could tap on the English version and the Arabic version um, and make it through the book. And then there's another one that's ask a question. So it's kind of like a you could do your own little I spy kind of adventures, but they use a symbol as well as the words. So as much so that's key, that's yeah. totally key. So a lot of our kids, they're not worried about the actual words. They're looking for that, that green question mark or that, mm -hmm. uh, the purple music notes, which Absolutely. opens the, the, the possibilities. For sure. That whole concept of dual coding. So, if you're coming into it, you're trying to study, you're going to draw a picture and you're going to maybe read something or you're going to listen to a song. That's, I think, what I was aiming for is the apps that will make the cut and I think have a little bit longer life will yep. be the ones that are already built with dual coding in them. So, like you said, the green has a certain universality of communication yep. to it and other icons as well that are, not, again, not, not necessarily bound to the English language. I think the fact that on tablets we have that opportunity to quickly switch between scripts too changes the game. Yeah. Um, so whether I'm using the dictation tool to allow them to uh, use their voice and that oral fluency to get to the text or whether we're using alternative keyboards and the dictation tools within that. Um, so even if I have a student that doesn't have a good understanding of the written home language, we could use those dictation tools to help them kind of capture it. Changes the how, game. Yeah. How, how, how would you say if the sort of the, the pitch, here's the pitch statement, um, this, this app, how, how does it, how does it sort of, um, 
create that sense of creativity in the user? How might a user sort of just kind of get part way into using this and they, they start to feel that I'm, be, I'm, I'm kind of cool. Like, I, I like how this app makes me feel. What's the thing that it does that kind of activates that? I think the fact that they have that, um, when you go to create that first project, you have that blank canvas. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's so many different possibilities for students to bring in um, content the way that they like to bring it in. So whether there's a built-in drawing suite, if that's how they like to express themselves, there's access to the web and Creative Commons images, if that's how they want to express themselves. There's pre-made um, built-in clip art. That's how every free app kind of gets their gets their money somehow, right? Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of uh, free clip art and free layouts so that students um, and creators have that opportunity to start with the content they want to start with. And then mm -hmm. the possibilities to kind of take it where you want to take it. So with a, a grade one French immersion class, we created a dual language book uh, cool. about our body parts. And then on the last page, we added a check-in with a little question game. So they had to tap on the body parts we were saying. With a math class, we ended up doing our own skip counting how-to. Uh, and ironically, in that sense, I thought I had it all figured out. And one of the kids came up with a different activity for checking for understanding. So that's what I, that's how much I know. Uh, but then with some grade sevens recently, we were just doing vocab in the classroom and being able to take what we do with language experience traditionally, where we do that picture word induction model and then going uh -huh. to um, creating a sentence and cutting that sentence up, which doesn't seem too cool for a kid that's 12 or 13. Uh -huh. Now getting them to co-create that in, a, in an app where they can play it or challenge their friends to it um, changes the game a little bit. Is there are there any social uh, social community or sharing community elements to the app? Yeah, so you can create in the app, uh, and it will stay on that uh, device itself. Um, and you do need to have a tablet to create, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but once you are finished, if you do want to share, you can uh, sign into your account. Usual terms of agreement apply. So a lot of times with my schools, we talk about creating a school account, yeah. uh, and then they publish to the web. So you okay. can take that uh, link and play it any anywhere. So you don't need to actually have the app to play the game, which really changes that sharing option as well. It's not just if you have the app, you can play it online uh, or on a phone, anything like that. For the teacher resources, um, you say it comes preloaded with some stuff, right? There's Yeah, so how the pro account works is that uh, with a pro account, you can buy some of the pre-made uh, material. There is some material for free. It's up to every creator whether they choose to share it um, with the community. Uh, with a free account, you're forced to share publicly. You don't really have this um, okay. semi-private option that you would have with the premium account. Mm -hmm. uh, you also have the option of sharing it and allowing others to remix it. I was going to ask whether editable. Yeah, so yours will always be editable within your own app. Right. Um, you can also push from one device to the other. So when we were creating some games, we actually had the students uh, with our account. We were able to download them on all the iPads so they could play each other's activities. That's cool. Um, but then you can leave it open that other people could edit and remix your creation. So... We tried something last year with uh, Carla that I met in Brazil. We actually, we had a kindergarten class send them 
uh, a book about our school in English and Portuguese, thanks to Google Translate. Um, mm -hmm. But they had some uh, limitations with sharing student pictures. So we were hoping to get it to go uh, do some of that collaborative work there. But it didn't Very work cool. out. Not yet. Does it play well with any other apps or is it a standalone? Well, because it pulls from your camera roll, you could really pull from any of your drawing apps um, okay. or any of your image apps. So if you wanted to work in aviary or if you wanted to work in Picolage, um, any of those image apps would allow you to come, uh, would allow you to bring it in. I haven't played, it's one of the pieces I haven't explored as much. There is a video option um, as one of the activities. I just haven't played with that yet. So cool. that would be my next step. So someone that's someone that's um, listening to this podcast, they're looking for something new, and they're like, "Okay, I'm going to give this Tiny Tap app. I'm going to give it a shot." What would be um, maybe a piece of advice for someone jumping into it? They're thinking, "Yeah, you know what? Tuesday, I'm coming in. I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this a try." Any any words of wisdom to someone just ready, gung ho, going to jump on the bandwagon? Uh, I'd say go to the create option first, so that plus sign and start messing about. Um... You have to get over that piece that you create the page and then you add the activity. Uh, check out their YouTube channel. They have really great uh, short clips. Or we tried to create a little one-page summary uh, a little earlier this year with our One Small Tweak um, ADE account on Twitter, if that helps at all. Yeah, for sure. If um... What I'll do is I'll get some of those details and just include them in the blog notes. So cool. if somebody is listening to the epi and they're like, what was that thing that they mentioned so quickly? Or, um, <laughs> yeah, or the, or the letters, you know, the, the, some of the, well, it's, hey, no, that was not a, a that, I'm talking about me. Okay. Fully, fully caffeinated. I'm not suggesting slow down, Tina. Slow, no, no, we're, we're all good there. But often individuals, I know for me, when I'm listening to podcasts, you start to go into the flow, right? And you're listening yeah. and it's like, oh, what was the name of that? Like, and like, like your experience with the app, someone could be listening and saying, yeah, maybe. And then they start to listen and they're sort of, wow. Yeah. Maybe I could make that work. And they're trying to, you know, rewind. What was, what was that thing that was mentioned? So I'll include that in the notes for sure. Cool. So we're, we're there. We're at the end. I, I, but I do want to know um, if someone is reaching out beyond looking at, like I said, some of those resources that you can send the links to me. Where where would you like to be found if someone is reaching out and has a question for you? Uh, Twitter is usually the easiest, at Tina underscore Zeta. Uh, or you can always send me an email at tinazita at gmail.com, I guess. Very cool. Very cool. cool. Thank you for your time. This Thanks is a... For the opportunity. Yeah, this is I, I like I said, it was it was awesome. First the opportunity just to speak outside the domain. Second mm -hmm. This is not an app that has, has come across my desk so far. And third, I love the fact it's addressing a very current need, which is supporting students that are, are newly arrived to our classrooms and students that may or may not have that sort of um, firm grasp of English language yet. Like, I, I love that, that, that you've kind of thrown down on this app. This is fantastic. Cool. So I wish you a, a great evening. And uh, I, I look forward to when we get to connect again. Awesome. All right. Take care. Chasing Squirrels Lab can be found on iTunes with the rest of the Chasing Squirrels podcast episodes. 
You can also contact me at chrisjclough at gmail. And if you want to get a quick contact, throw me a tweet at the exact same handle. Thank you for spending time with me.